Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope everyone's doing well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So today we are joined by yet another guest, another very special guest. He is a fitness influencer, a gym owner, and also former Love Island contestant, Mr. Adam Collard. It was a pleasure having Adam on the podcast. So we discussed loads of topics from Adam's journey as a PT, how he started out when he was younger, doing football, swimming, rugby, how he got into the gym, and then how that developed into him becoming a personal trainer and the whole story behind that. Talk a little bit about how surrounding yourself with the right people can help you be successful. Also, people skills as a PT and how you have to adapt them for each client or else you're probably going to struggle with success as a personal trainer. We then move on to him opening Sculpt, how it came around and how he kind of got to the point where he was able to open the gym with the amount of clients he had and how he maintained it up until the point now. We then talk about the most important topic, of course, Love Island, but more importantly, the mindset behind. So what his mindset was like before he went in and also during when he went in and some of the experiences that he had on the show. We then move on to a little bit of talk about his training and how he's transitioned from more bodybuilding to the functional side of training. As you can see on his Instagram, he's posting a lot more content about functional training, CrossFit, functional bodybuilding almost, and how it's probably a lot more beneficial than just your old school bodybuilding style of training. And then we finish off with the mindset and pressure of being such a big influencer and also coming out of Love Island and the pressures that you face from that. The most important thing about this conversation that we had the most important takeaway was probably just to be yourself but we discussed more about that in the podcast also a little teaser stay all the way to the end of the podcast to find out why adam would like to go for a coffee with elvis but anyway we'll get on to that so before we start this episode just remember to get subscribed and if you really really enjoy this episode or any of the other episodes share it on social media tag myself and the guests in the story and let me know a little bit of feedback and how you thought about it but We'll get on with this episode. This is process. Ah, it tells you, it tells you. Yeah, it tells you, it tells you you're getting recorded now, mate, no pressure. Right, welcome back everybody to process. Today we're joined by another special guest, gym owner, fitness influencer you could call yourself, and then also Mr. Love Island, obviously <laughs> had a few, year, a few years back now you're on there, so everyone probably knows you from that, but Mr. Adam Collard, welcome to the podcast, mate. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm sure a lot of people are still getting tarnished with that brush a little bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. There's probably majority of people that like I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but you think, oh, I'm Adam from Love Island. But there's more. There's a lot more than to that than just no, just no, Island, no. It's it? a yeah. it's a funny one. We still have a little bit of a laugh. I came into the I came in the house last night actually, and um, we were having a laugh with my stepmom because she always winds us up going as it has been now. And uh, I went into Sainsbury's to go and get my chicken and potatoes. Stereotypical. And uh, there was two people that got uh, photos with us, and I was just texting, being like, "Look, I've still got it, still got it, see, yeah, it's still got it, <laughs> still got it. I'm riding." You it haven't out. been forgotten about. <laughs> so, well, COVID, social distance photos, but yeah, it was still, still happens now and then. Uh, you haven't, you haven't faded from everybody yet. People still know about you. So, still about your story. I want to go literally all the way back to the start of your almost I could call it a fitness journey, but even back when in school, <coughs> in school. Um, starting sports, were you interested, because I know we talked about it briefly before the podcast about starting football and rugby, how did you get into sport and then how did you kind of, your journey into into fitness, into the gym start from there? Um, so, I mean, I was just a normal, normal kid and 
what I would say is my family were like really, really, they pushed us into everything I could possibly do. Um, my dad and my mom were always very hyperactive at being like, you should try this, you should try that. Um, a big one that I didn't actually mention to you about uh, before when we were chatting before the podcast, I was like quite a handy swimmer. And um, I even oh, got put into like a little bit of a development where you would train like before school, after school. It was like religious, but it was like, it was relentless. Like these kids, some of them, the ones that actually sort of make it. So I suppose like one of the things I was always football and swimming. That's where I suppose you could say from like eight years old, football mad and football daft. My dad used to say it's like all the Newcastle United away games, home games, religiously. I think at one point we worked out that I had every single Newcastle program, both home and away from like eight years old to 15. I was like obsessed. But um, I wasn't the most athletically, yeah, I didn't have much athletic ability from a young age. Like genetically, I wasn't exactly there. So I like, I carried a little bit of weight. For some reason, I was really good at swimming. My dad got us into it super, super young. And I got put onto this bit of like, joined a local club, then seemed to be better. So the put us like, at the end, I was swimming like four years above my age. I think I was like 10 years old and swimming like 15 year olds. Um, helps that I'm six foot five. So I was quite uh, quite a lot taller and yeah. bigger than all the kids. But like I said, I didn't really have the most athletic build. So it was literally, they put me forward for the two length sprints, the four length sprints. And after that, so it's like called a medley. Um, and I was competing with like kids who were like much older than my age. But honestly, I looked the complete polar opposite of like the average swimmer yeah. because like I was, I was a little bit kiddie. So like you carry a little bit of weight anyway. Well, I did anyway. And then I just think that, I don't know, that was that was my shape from a young age, so to speak. Um, but that was where my competitive edge sort of came from. But mm. I was a very quiet kid at this point. And the regime was like before school, after school, you had no life. These kids that like actually go through swimming and make it and like go and like get on to like GB and stuff. And there was like one girl that I know that went there they hate their lives that it's it's mental like they're totally totally like mm. it's your full childhood and um, i wasn't even anywhere like close to what that girl did when she went away and stuff like that and there was a couple of other kids there was like maybe three that sort of like made it and then they honestly their full life their parents life became like swimming so that was like the start of it and then after that i would say i just sort of loved playing any sports i could like i tried a little bit of basketball I tried a little bit of like tennis at one point, but like that was just a hobby. And then football and rugby were always the ones that like I sort of pursued from a young age. Um, I was never going to be a footballer. Like I was one of them kids. Like there's every, every, I would say 50% of the like young lads in England, especially England, it's like still a football country really, isn't it? Like everyone wants to be a professional footballer. Um, it was never going to happen. And then once I got a little bit older, I think obviously a couple of growth spurts, people started saying that I was like quite a bigger lad compared to everyone else. From like, once it got to about 16, everyone sort of started pushing us into like, right, you need to like drop the football and go to rugby. And I suppose like I was always like quite competitive and wanted to play sport, but yeah, I just needed something, needed some sort of outlet. I wasn't exactly loud. So I think the way I sort of spoke out and the way I sort of, had a bit of a release of my personality was like trying to like do it on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What position were you? Uh, do you know what? For football? 
Yeah, football, yeah. I don't know. I'm not great with rugby positions. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So, <laughs> I, so at first, I started playing I started playing centre-half. And then, funnily enough, like, so I'll go into this after this for training and how I started that. But, like, started playing centre-half. Then I started getting, like, moved a little bit further forward. And then by the end, at one point, I was playing up front. But it was just totally random, like, playing for random mm. teams. Like, I would jumped around, like, different areas a lot for schools and for, like, where I was living and stuff. So, like, it was just dotting around. But yeah, I started at the back. And then I think as I got a little bit fitter, I was going further and further up the field. And that was sort of the same rugby as well. Started at like second yeah. row, which is like right in the scrum. And then I started going yeah. further back once I could actually move a little bit better. Yeah. When do you think you started, because you're honestly talking about being like a quiet lad. When do you think you started coming out your shell? Do you think that was kind of when you started to do the gym and stuff like that? Or was it just a natural progression? So I should probably start with the where did I start the fitness because it makes more sense for this. Mm -hmm. Basically, like I said, I wasn't really happy with where I was at, but like, I'm not going to, it's not like a pity party. Like if someone wears glasses at school, they get picked on for wearing glasses. If someone's like ginger, they get picked on for being ginger. If someone's fat, they get picked on for being fat, right? Mine was that mm -hmm. one. Everyone's got one. Like every kid in the world gets some sort of like little niggle. Like I'm not going to pity party and be like, oh, look at me. I was a little bit overweight. I was a little bit overweight. I didn't like it at school. People made a few remarks. So I started... My dad actually could see that I was like getting a little bit like upset about it and sort of pushed us into boxing fitness, not like boxing, boxing, but boxing fitness because that's all he knew. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially it was like run and hit a bag, which was great. So that's where at about, I would say like from 14 in that sort of high school time, that's where I got pushed because that was his only way of right. This is how I'm going to help my son lose weight. So that's how it all sort of started. And that's as, as I sort of progressed in that and started getting a little bit fitter, I think that's where the whole, when you were asking what position I was and stuff like that for like football mm -hmm. and rugby and stuff, that's, that helped in turn, like my performance on the pitch there. Um, well, I've totally went off on a tangent there, haven't I? No, <laughs> what, was it? what was it? There? Keep... Oh, no, I've talked about your yeah, um, confidence and stuff and how I built, obviously. So like what I was going to say is when I first went to high school, so... <laughs> I actually uh, ended up getting kicked out of the school that I was at. So I went from a middle school and I turned up to Pontyland High School, which is the high school that I went to. And every person in the full year group was from the two schools, the two middle schools, apart from me. It was like everyone was in red and everyone was in burgundy and they were the Pontyland middle yeah. schools and I was in blue. Like I couldn't have stood out more if I tried. It was like, yeah. So I was the only person pretty much who came from a different school and straight away that sort of segregated us. So I was quiet as a mouse coming in. I didn't know anyone really from high school and not really the most confident. But like, as I sort of went on and as I started the gym, like I would say like 14, 15 to 16 was like, just like boxing and fitness, running, trying to just lose weight, trying to get like skinny as possible, to be quite honest. Like just didn't know anything about like lifting weights or anything like that. Then, um, in that sort of year that you go between like high school and like sixth form, which is like that 16 to 17, that's when the first time, I still remember the first time like one of my friends was like, oh, do you want to come and like train chest of us tonight in the gym? And I was like, like, where is it? And he was like, oh, it's just down from school. Yeah, he was like, do you want to come? And honestly, I couldn't bench press. What was it? It was 10 kilograms either side on a Smith machine. And like I pretty much needed a spot from like three reps. Um, 
which was hilarious because like the guy that actually took is like one of my mates i'm still he's still in like my best friend group now but like he would never ever be seen in a gym now he like <laughs> and he was the one person yeah. that took me and like now he laughs because he's like i kind of believe like I took you to the gym once like after school on that Monday because like pretty much just I had like a little group of friends but I was still like being like I'm still the outsider so so to speak like coming from there like they're all super tight so I was like I start going to the gym with them because it was like eight of them I like getting better and uh, he's just like I can't believe I took you there because he's the last person in the world that you could see in the gym you might see him at McDonald's but no not at the gym Yeah. Alright, so literally, it's it's weird how like you found the gym was your way to kind of get in somewhere and kind of not only build your confidence but connect with people. Cause I think a lot of people who are going into different environments, like it's the same in kind of like football. Like when you're going from different teams, like it's intimidating and it's even worse when you're a young lad going like completely different environment that you've never been before. You just need to find that way to connect. And like the gym's kind of like, especially at that age, everyone's probably at like similar levels because not many people have kind of done the gym for many years. There might be obviously, there's always that big lad. Like I think from where I'm from, it's always the farmers. Yeah. That's what it is from around mine. It's yeah, always the yeah. farmers. Like when we had the little gym at school, it was like they were, we had like a bench press machine and they were just repping it out for fun. And then there's like me, the little skinny kid trying to lift the same weights as them. But like you have a bit of, like, you, that's how you kind of interact with people and build friendship, I guess. It's kind of a good little, a way out and if you can kind of keep progressing in the gym and stuff and you watch yourself grow with confidence then you can take that forward into other things so what kind of happened after school in terms of progressing in the gym and then developing into like starting personal training what kind of happened after there um so you know what i've obviously i've got quite a good tight group of friends who have always stayed friends through high school all the way to sixth form and mm-hmm. it was a bit weird because like now I would say all of them apart from a couple have dropped off and like will never be seen in a gym. And there's only one of my friends who is probably, I would say, really into it. He's actually a PT as well. But when we were in that sort of like sixth form, like college years, like them two years, everyone was smashing it. And I got into like quite a good group, uh, quite a good group. And it was, they were so much more motivated then, but it was like, it was literally like, who can like rep out five reps on the bench press, the heaviest, like who can squat the heaviest. Like we all talk about it now, like we were so strong at like 17, 18, like it was at 18 years old. Like it, we were so strong, even comparing it to what I am now, but the body composition and the whole, the body composition and the fitness and like the physique was not there. Like, do you know what I mean? It was literally yeah. like, it was, it was, full west side barbell mode it was like who can lift the most for three reps on squat terrible form shattering your knees shattering your back but it was just old school like i think the motivation was coming from like the ct fletchers and stuff like that yeah but as it sort of went from there that was all the way through 17 18 19 and then once we sort of got like 20 years old like finishing six form like knowing where to go and i started pt and like just before my 20th birthday it all started because when I was in the gym, everyone sort of fell off and I was the one that like, like I went home on a night and like used to read like BioLane and Muscle Nation and used to be like, oh, like maybe we'll try this. And like all the lads would be in the gym and like it would be the same routine. It would be like chest on Monday, back on a Tuesday, legs on a went no legs, but no legs, shoulders on a Thursday, but like they all miss legs. But I just started like reading up on stuff and like, I was like, oh, like, he's he's told us to do this like why don't we try this today and i used to just like try it out with people 
And I remember the first time, and this was the very, this was the turning point. I was like having a little bit of a rough time with like my parents being like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I do architecture? Do I do accountancy? Do I do business? Like I went and I applied to go to Leeds and I actually did go to Leeds for all of 20 days um, to go and do business and accounting. And then the turning point, I came home and these like two like blokes must've been like 40 or something. Like obviously like, had their own businesses used to be able to come in at like one two o'clock in the day and they just went all oh, like you've seen your train loads and loads if we just give you like 45 quid on the slide in cash like will you just train with every lunchtime like obviously you ask a 19 year old kid who's like skiving six one to do that like you're gonna snap your hand yeah. off like i had nothing else i remember at the time i was working in hollister the shop in town yeah 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 i was working on that skinny jeans checkered blue and red shirts and um, I probably got 45 pounds for like, I don't know, like six hour shift or something like that. So they like obviously went to me, plenty of money. They were like 45 pounds and just trade my every lunchtime for an hour because you seem to know what you're doing. Because I think they'd seen me from like 16, 17 all the way to 20. And I was like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's how I had no qualifications, had no insurance, totally illegal really in the grand scheme of things. Not illegal, <laughs> but frowned upon. And then... Um, Obviously, not even my gym. It was in like a leisure center, like probably what you saw a PT in now. And yeah. the PTs in there were probably looking at us thinking like, oh, this kid's definitely doing this on the slide. And I just used to keep quiet. And that's how it started. So I started like training these old men, not old men, but like 45, 50, just for the crack. And then that's how it all started. And I was like, actually, I'm quite good at this. Why well, don't I actually look into this more? Mm-hmm. So just a kind of like a complete random sort of scenario that, made you go down that path it was completely random um it was completely random i mean the only i was i was pressured into doing the stereotypical right you need a degree you need to do this because i I was actually quite academic in school like i think i got in i think i got an a in maths i got a b in physics i got an a in biology like i was i had all the grades um pretty Mm -hmm. much apart from like one fluky one which was like terrible but what I mean is I felt the pressure because I got them to almost like I had to use them for something. I had to use them for a high end sort of, I don't know, like white collar degree. Like I had to go in and do like, and I used to wing it as well. I wasn't even trying in school. Like I was just okay. Like I was always okay. So I thought, Oh, because I've got them. Like, I think it won't, like I said, architecture, my dad builds houses. Originally that's what he did. So he was like, well, you can do that. I could never do that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But you feel the pressure to because you can't. Because if you get accepted on something like that, you feel like you have to. Um, And funnily enough, we have this conversation all the time. And he says, classic parent, he's like, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And he says, the one time you've only ever been right is when you told me that you wanted to be a PT or do fitness instead of that. He's like, it's the only time you've ever been right. And we're always laughing about it together. (laughs) Because um, I was like, it's the only time I've been able to say I've told you so. So that is pretty yeah. much how it all started. Yeah. So what were your parents like when you kind of, because obviously you can tell that they were from a very academic background and they were very much, they probably had in your mind that when you were at school, you were going to go to a sixth form or college and then university. What were they like when you said, you know what, no, I'm going to pursue this PT career? Um, they were actually the polar opposite. Like my dad sort of like left school at like 13 with not, nothing and like just oh, grafted. Right. So because of that, it was like the polar opposite. Like if you've got them grades, you should you should go and use them and go and do that. And also like you feel the pressure from like, and 
if I was in school now, or I was talking to people from school, I definitely think those apprenticeships and stuff where you can build a degree while working are so much better than degrees. All of the people that I've seen in my age, the, the vast majority, not necessarily all of them, but in my eyes, if you want to be a doctor, go and do a doctorate degree. But if you are going to get a business degree for a random thing, like it's absolutely pointless. It's absolutely pointless. Yeah. Like if you need a degree specifically, like you need a doctorate to be a doctor, you need a veterinary thing to be a vet, like yeah, hundred percent, you know your specific route. But if you're a kid who doesn't know how to do that, if, if you don't know what you want, like me, sort of like humming and hawing, don't do a degree just for the crack and go and piss it over the wall for free years. I learned so much more, like just jumping in the deep end and like having a business experience, like being hands on with things than any of that. Yeah. And I think those friendships, yeah. Yeah, that's what people look for as well. They look for experience rather most of the time rather than degrees. And I think is it what's his name? Is it Mike Thurston? He'd done a business degree, didn't he? Yeah. I think I think he did one. I think he's talked about it in one of his videos because obviously he's smashing it now, PT online coach wise. He said that it was pretty pointless his business degree. I think it got him a job at Hollister in the end or something, and then from there he's just kind of took it from there. And like a lot of people do these degrees and stuff just because it's like it's the next step and they don't know what to do. And like you said, they go to union just piss it up and kind of waste three years of the time in a sense for a degree that they might not end up pursuing anyway down the line especially if you've yeah. got like like personal training wise you, you it's probably good to know stuff about business but the only way that you're going to learn is by going down that route on your own rather than going to university like there's them strength that you call them uh, sports science degrees and stuff like most of the knowledge that you can learn is probably like online at the minute like most of my knowledge is probably the same for yourself most of my knowledge is from seeing like influencers, yeah, YouTubers, getting the right content from the right people that you talked about. Was it Lane Norton you mentioned before? I can't remember you said. Yeah. All them sort of websites and stuff. I think, like all, I think especially in our line of work, you'll know firsthand, like when you first start PTing and stuff like that, like how much of a stress head you are trying to manage. The PT, the actual one hour that you're in with the client is the easiest hour. The one, the ones yeah. that count are like, they're trying to get clients, trying to speak to clients, trying to remember to text them, trying to remember to arrange sessions, trying to program for them, trying to actually think like, oh, like how am I going to get the next ones? Like the constant like thing in the back of your head. And this was me, which like now I don't do that now because I obviously have scope. But when I was there, I used to constantly itch be like, oh, like I've dropped under 30 hours. I'm stressing out. Like I've dropped under 30 hours mm -hmm. of PT. Like that's bad. When really it's not the end of the world. Someone's just having a holiday or having a week off. But because it's your livelihood, you start stressing about it and you're constantly thinking about those things. But I think you need to learn how to manage them. And the only way to do it is like just doing it. it it's the only way you can experience that. These people that obviously get a business degree and like suddenly think like, oh, I'm going to open my business. It's going to fly in like six months. It's like, it's not, you haven't like, you need to experience the like, there's, there's nothing, there's no motivation like desperation or there's no motivation like, you know, when you want it that bad that it is your like livelihood, like you have to rely on going out and finding something or you have no business. Mm -hmm. I know. I think that's the thing with personal training as well. Like literally you have to throw yourself into the deep end straight away. Like you have to pick up clients or else you, you've not got any income at the end of the day. Like you need to go out there and when you're like, say you've got your first 10, 20 clients and stuff, that's great. But then you've got to go and find some more because at one point you're going to maybe lose a few, like people might not want to train me anymore they might move away they might do this that and the other you've always got to be thinking like right i need to do this which is 
like it is quite a stressful job in the sense because you're constantly thinking like there's non-stop you've got to put like especially with social media like these days a lot of the time you have to put out content on social media so you're thinking about that there's a lot more things that i feel you have to do especially like things for free like things like doing a podcast that i'm doing youtube instagram yeah. and stuff you're giving out a lot of free content which like a lot of people i've done a podcast with i think you know marcus uh mccready we did a podcast yeah. with him and yeah and his dad we did a podcast and he said i think his dad said to him all right marcus i've seen you've been busy today how much money have you made like it's a very old school mentality but he was like saying like no dad like i'm doing i'm doing this podcast so i can like can provide content so people can kind of link back to me that there's a lot of things it's not that kind of like instant money for time like it is in a normal job which yeah. is fine if you want to go down that route and do that like, your nine to five where you, you're going to get paid for whatever you do but like in the self-employed industry it's kind of like you need to put a lot more hours in doing a lot of stuff for free so down the line you can obviously keep your money and kind of progress and build up clients and, and everything down the line yeah definitely i mean we we look at i mean i say we the online team that I have, because I have people in Ireland as well that work on like Adam Collar Fitness Online. Uh, they mm -hmm. are like magic. It's Bankhouse Media. If anyone wants to look at them and need help with anything like that, but um, they are magic behind the scenes at trying to like help me boost sales, help me like understand like from a customer point of view. And all the time, they make me pretend to be a customer and buy my own products to see the customer journey. So like yesterday, we, were, mm -hmm. we all on like Zoom on a call like this were like pretending, not pretending, like we were trying to basically follow the customer journey and try and think about like giving free content, giving free content, giving free, free content. And then the last thing is hit them with a sale. And it's like, yeah. you have to do that. I can't remember who it was that said, said that. It's like, I love all those business entrepreneur pages and stuff like that. I'm really cringy like that. But um, yeah. there is there is a formula for it where it's like hit someone with free advice free time it, help them with free things Gary V said maybe Gary, Gary v, v said something yeah, like that I think like yeah them, like if you you've got to think though like when I was on the gym floor and I get loads and loads of messages about like people asking for PT advice now like you I, my DMs used to be filled with Love Island stuff random stuff but like now quite a lot of the time because people have seen the gym and seen PT and maybe seen always ask like how do you get clients and how do you get enough clients to like start your own gym now that's always a risk no matter like you can have 50 hours of pt per week and it's still going to be a risk opening your own gym but mm -hmm. one of the big things what i always say to people is like do you do you love it like and i, and I just reply like do you love it and they're just like what and i'm like do you actually love this because if you don't love it like people will see through it if you feel like you're going to work for the hours when you're actually in the gym like yes of course like you open the gym doors at half five in the morning you've had like five hours sleep you feel a little bit crap you've got a headache whatever like you've done 14 hours of pt on the gym floor it feels a little bit like work when it's in them little split seconds but generally like on the floor when you are coaching someone do you feel like you're at work like or do you love it and that's what i say to people because people can see through that and if you do like it'll work it'll always work yeah, I know. Like the podcast that I put on yesterday with Josh Bridgen, he said literally, it's hard work not trying to be yourself. So literally, if you love something and you enjoy something, just do it. You're gonna make it work anyway. And like like you said, if you're taking that big leap of faith to do something, no matter if it's hard or stuff like that, you will make it work to kind mm. of because you love it. Like even if there's like a few days where you lose a few clients, lose a few members, or 
things aren't going too well, you open up, it's a bit of a flop. Like you'll pull it back because that's what you love to do and you, you've always wanted to do it. So just find a way to make it work. So you mentioned about obviously picking up clients there. How did you kind of build up starting with obviously them two clients that you were training on their lunch break? How did you start from there and build up to the point now, obviously you've got your own gym? So when I had those two guys and obviously I first jumped in to doing a public gym, the gym, the gym, the gym. They're all over the country. Yeah. They're all the absolute monsters. It's a bit like Pure Gym. I think it's their main competitor. Similar to probably what you're in, but like they're a bit more mm. the basic on there. Um, really, really good. I would personally recommend them for any personal trainer to start because I don't know what they do now. But for me, it was work 12 hours. That's your rent covers. And then after that, all your PT is yours. So you're starting a business, you're looking at straight away, you've got no outgoings. Obviously, you're giving up 12 hours of your time, which now would be a lot to me. But back then, when you've got no clients, I mean, you've got two, it's nothing. Like, you would rather save the money and not have that outgoing from starting a business. And the funny thing was, when I started that at that gym, you had to have a business name, whether it be Adam Collard Fitness or whether, and this is where I chose Sculpt. So I chose Sculpt in so there was 15 PTs. Everyone had their own little business names and business cards on the wall. Survival of the fittest. It was cutthroat. Like everyone was stabbing each other in the yeah. back of clients and stuff like that. And that was where I started the idea sculpt. So I had these little business cards made. Um, with PTs, I sort of just, I found it quite easy and I didn't really realize until I was in there because this gym had opened in Gosforth and, um, Everyone, everyone was on the same page. They had 15 PTs, but the gym was brand new. There was like 3,000 members. Everyone came in at the same time, but everyone was on an even keel. I wasn't coming into a gym where like people, there was PTs that had been there for four or five years. So I didn't really know what I was doing right, but I must have been doing something right. And again, this is why I say about the, like, do you actually love what you do? Because I seem to just give people the odd free advice, like, you know, like before people are bench pressing, like telling them, well, walk the rotator cuffs and just walking away. And then like the same thing with like, you know, like someone was like really struggling with a back squat or something like that, like showing them how to like in the gym, they don't really have them, but we have them and sculpt them heel platforms. So like giving them five kilogram plates and like putting them on that and just walking away. And it's again that thing that I say, like giving free advice and helping people with the little things, that's when they come back to you. So I found it really, really easy picking up clients. But one of the main things that I would say to people, and this is, you can be the best coach in the world with this. If you don't have people skills, you will not go anywhere. And mm -hmm. the thing that like Josie, one of the girls of PTs in school, she always says to me is it's mental how you can go from like in 30 seconds speaking to like the lads, 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 when they're in doing the group session who are like 18, because we've got a couple of them. And then in the next breath, speak to Diadri about our grandkids. And like, yeah. that's what you need, like constantly having that sort of, it's a bit like car salesman, I suppose, like having the gift of the gab, but like just knowing how to speak to people and like developing person's personal skills. And I think that stems from the fact of just being around older people all the time when I was younger, from a really young age. Like my mom and dad were really, uh, were really business driven. And I say this again, so like they used to just like, after school, it sounds horrible, but like in my childhood, like I used to sit in like solicitors meetings and ridiculous stuff like that. But I honestly think that because I was constantly around older people and just noticing like how they're speaking, put in situations where like no kid wants to do that. You want to play on your Game Boy, you want to play on your Nintendo, you want to play on your PlayStation yeah. and just like 
Call of Duty and stuff like that. But because I was put in them environments, I think it definitely developed my personal skills from such a young age because I got put in them positions. Yeah. It seems like you've been surrounded like by a good, like obviously first off with your parents, obviously being in them meetings and stuff like that, you're surrounded by that sort of environment. And then when you start at the gym, you said your group of friends are very kind of in that sort of like gym environment and they're always pushing each other that like you talked about. It was like a very old school uh, Westside barbell style of training. And like everybody, every kind of group that you've had have always been beneficial to you. Like a lot of lads, when they get to like 17, 18, or even when they were younger, they get dragged away and they're like getting in the wrong group and then maybe all their friends are going to uni. So that's why they go down that route. But like your obviously group of friends were, were very similar minded in a sense. And like you say now, there's a lot of them that like one of your best mates is a PT now you've been surrounded. Like, that's why I always talk about surrounding yourself with like-minded people to progress yourself. Like, you've been in that environment all the way through your, through your life and it's kind of set yourself up perfectly for where you are now. And you talked about being a PT and having people skills. Like everybody, well, to be fair, most people probably go into PT and think, right, I'm going to train people like athletes. I'm going to train people how I train. You're yeah. not going to do that. You're going to have like, some of your clients, some of my clients are like 60 odd, some of them. And you've got to be able to, first of all, train them differently. Like, few of mine have had hip replacements and stuff and you've got to adapt yeah. exercises. But you've also got to be able to have crap with them. Like, you can't, like, obviously have the same crap that, like, lads would have with, like, I don't know, Jennifer, who's, like, 60-odd and got five kids and two granddaughters or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't have that crap with them. You've got to be able to, like, be relatable and, like, come up with conversation and, like, you'll realise that they, you can have a bit of crap with them as well. But it's just finding what, like, bounces well like, in the conversation. So if you can't talk to people, like, of all ages from 16 up to... 80 or however old you can PT for, like, you're not going to probably... There's nothing worse the right than them sessions, is there? Obviously, <laughs> you get clients that you click with more and click with less, but there's yeah. nothing worse than, like, you know, when you first start and then there's them sessions where you just think, God, like, this is really yeah. hard work, yeah. Sometimes it can be a little bit of the client ever so slightly, but I think generally, like, if, mm -hmm. you, if you come from a love, uh, uh, you like, you can find a middle ground, can't you? Speak about yeah. anything. Something, yeah. To be fair, I've had clients in like consultations who I've like, I've met them. I'm like, oh, God, say this. I can just this is going to be a nightmare. Like, oh, I want three sessions a week. By the way, I'm like, if I'm doing three sessions a week with you for this long, but then I get to know them and I do sessions with them, and I'm actually like clicking with them really well. It's weird, like so. Like you've got to be open to any sort of client, especially when you're first starting. Yeah. Like you take any client that you get. Yeah. Obviously, with the older you can, the more experience you get, you can probably be a little bit more picky choosy. But like, don't judge people straight away. Like I've. I, done that with a few clients but now i've literally i'm with them training them two three times a week and i've been doing it for a long time we, we, we click pretty well and some of them are like 50 60 odd years old but i still click as, as well with them as i do with like the lads and who are around my age that i train so it's just being you've got, you've got to have them sort of skills as a pt <laughs> yeah. so or else just don't probably don't bother doing it because there is some like scary like you see the scary sort of look in bodybuilder old school pts at the gym who just don't speak to anybody and they're probably the ones who don't have as many clients so they might get one or two but they, these 60 year old clients are go well Everyone, everyone's got their own niche you know exactly so moving on to sculpt so did you a little question did you open sculpt before love island or after because i'm i'm not too sure if you did did you start there before so sculpt was open on april so it actually was ready to go on april fool's day of 2015 and I wouldn't allow it to open 
because I was super superstitious and I was like, I'm not opening the gym on April Fool's Day because so yeah. we'll push it back just to the fourth. It was the fourth of April. It was just bad timing. Um, so it was the year before I went on Love Island. So we actually, mm-hmm. no, it would have been the fourth of April. Anyway, I definitely had the gym for about eight months before Love Island. Okay, whatever it is, yeah. I know that that. So the gym was open for a while before then. Obviously, the clients were there. The gym was bouncing. But obviously, because of the Love Island and obviously the amount of like financial gain that you can't have after that, I think quite a lot of people think and expect that it was after then. It definitely helped. It definitely helped. I would say that Love Island opened a lot of doors. And for example, like being a starting business in your first year, like it costs a lot of money to like kit out and stuff like that. So obviously you see people coming off Love Island, they buy the Gucci bags, they buy this, they buy that. Once I came out, yeah. I was like, this is covered. This is covered. Everything mm-hmm. that is like, because I, I remember when we first opened the gym, I had to like save a lot of money had a little bit of help but i knew that i had to obviously pay it back and the last thing i sold my car i had a nice flashy car when i was pt because obviously when i was pt and in the gym that i was before i was earning decent money but having no outgoings apart from my pt rent which in my eyes was nothing so i had a nice flashy car sold that and then got a little sculpt mobile sculpt van which all the lads will remember if any of my friends are listening uh, it was absolutely terrible but it had the sculpt stickers on so i wasn't bothered and cost us absolutely nothing and that was what got the money for the gym so yeah yeah it was a it was a long process of basically i was at the gym in gosforth the gym the gym then i actually went at aurora which is actually the same unit before sculpt was sculpt i wasn't sure if it wasn't because i've seen pictures of what you yeah like, and I'm like, that's very similar yeah yeah so essentially what happened so i know mike thurston very well um Mm-hmm. he essentially started a business venture with another guy and that was what Aurora was now to summarize a long awkward situation I think um, they just had different views and different approaches didn't really work well and obviously Mike was smashing it online and I still have a good relationship with Mike and I think he just wanted to cut the cords because why not like if he was doing he was doing all the work and he was doing really really well and other people were holding them back, like, why not? So we were actually all really, really tight. And this is another thing why I think that I developed quite fast and quite well as a PT, but also as an athlete, I suppose you could say, because like Mike was 27, I think Lauren was 27, 28, Brad was 27, 28. Like they were obese and like I was 19, 20 going in that. So they had like seven years on us trying to keep up with them at 20 years old. Like you North will build some muscle very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, like, yeah, so we were all in that little gym. It was a unit and it was nothing at all what like Sculpt was now because it was just empty. It had a few little bits of kit. There was no second floor. There was no paint on the walls. There was chalk on the floor and it was just a f- like barbells, dumbbells and that was it. So we used to just train and train and train. And some of the best sessions I've had is still during that time. And um, yeah, if Lauren ever listens to this, we had some mental sessions, but uh it was really really good like that's where i think i developed so that was the next step for me so once i'd hit sort of the limit in the gym group because you obviously have to do your 12 hours for free i think i got up to doing like 45 hours of pt hours which is a lot per week and on top of them 12 hours i was like look i can afford the rent somewhere now i need to jump ship and i need to go somewhere and funnily enough just at this time i'd obviously always knew mike and like always knew the other guy that owned it and 
that's when I ended up moving across to Aurora and building up a client base from there, which was obviously mm-hmm. perfect because in time, fast forward two years, which I was unaware of from that, I would end up buying the unit myself and ending up oh, like completely revamping it and getting scuffed. Yeah. Right, so it's just a natural progression. Like it's 45 hours in the PT is a lot. So you literally just transfer all your clients over to Aurora and then from there... I think like the majority of them oh, were happy cool. to come over, but a lot of them were intimidated mm-hmm. as well. Um, especially when you first saw the like, bus lot standing there in Aurora, it was quite an intimidating gym because it was yeah. just an empty space. Like it wasn't really the most aesthetically pleasing, but we were all standing there. But honestly, our clients were so varied. And I think this is the thing, like when people see sculpt and they see, and I always say to the PTs, remember like if you are wanting clients, like I care about, how cool it is you can walk on your hands and like you being able to do muscle ups but like Karen who owns the hairdressers who's got gonna pay you an absolute fortune is probably not like teach her how to like lose a few pounds and feel good while drinking wine she'll be fine um, and yeah. she will be happy with that so and this is the thing like I think sometimes you need to disregard your personal personal goals and your personal views to understand why someone wants to just look good in a bikini on holiday or just wants to some people can't run with the kids, you know, like can't run with the kids these days. They That's their mm-hmm. goal. They want to be able to do yeah. that. Like, they can't keep up with that anymore because they've let themselves go for years and years. Funny enough. And th- this is the thing that is their personal goal. So you've got to apply yourself to that. And I think that's what I got when I went from gym to gym to gym. Obviously the gym in Gosworth was really good because it's so varied. All of those 3000 members or whatever it was were all ages or yeah, like, all different demographics. Then obviously when I went to Aurora, it was quite nice because every client that you got in there, if you got them to go there, you could tell they were serious. You could tell that they're already in their head, like mentally being like, right, this is the time where I'm going to go because you can't walk in it from the street. Like it's an industrial estate. And this is the good thing about sculpt as well. Like as much as you don't have footfall, when you do persuade someone to come through the doors, I would say 95% of the time, they will be with you or they will sign up during a consultation because they've already mentally prepared themselves to be like, right, this is my time. I'm going to a serious place and not a serious place in the sense of like, it's, there's no laughs and there's no carry on, but these people know what they're doing. I've came here for a reason. I can't get away with anything because you're in there because you know you're with a coach and it's time to work. Yeah. I think, I think what you've built as well at school, it's like almost one of like the gyms of the Northeast kind of thing. That's like, one of them so when people do come there they know like yeah like like you said like this is this is the place to be and i know what when i come here and i sign up and, and want to pay however much i'm going to get the results i want because look at the transformations these have had down the past look at what these can do this is the environment so get setting up something like that obviously the clients know that what the results they're going to get from signing it so you've probably you've hand, part of the back you fucking set it up very well but one question, one little thing that I wanted to talk about is obviously Lovine, you've got to bring it up. I can't not have you yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about it. So Lovine, more about your mindset going into it. Cause I know a lot, I think a lot of the people, not to say that everybody, a lot of the people go on literally just to get famous and like they maybe don't have kind of a plan in place. I think now people can see the results from it. Uh, like I know Wallace uh, Wilson, he went, I know you, you know him. Yeah, so yeah. I think he went on, I think he had the same sort of mindset probably to yourself in terms of like, business related wanting to grow his business because his business dynamo is obviously very I've, I've looked at his page and stuff it's settled very well what was your mindset kind of right i'm going to go in here get a big following and use that for my own business to grow or was it kind of just one of them things that you just went for um so 
the first, what did I get told off for on the first day? We were sitting around <laughs> the fire, we were sitting around the fire pit in some way, shape or form. What did I get? I think someone, so there's producers and there's stuff like that that like fly around the villa and this and that. <laughs> me being me, I just obviously have no filler whatsoever. And something, it was basically like the first day when we were in the villa and it was like, oh, what are you here for? Like, I think the girls were asking the boys something like, oh, what are you here for? Like, are you like here to look for a relationship? Are you just here for a little bit of fun? Like all that cringy stuff. And like, yeah. I think Laura Anderson asked me like, oh, like what are you here for? And I was like, I want to get a million followers and open my gym and make loads of money. Like that is it. It was point yeah. blank. And like, I think like everyone was like, like everyone looked at us and I was like, like, let's not be stupid here, right? If you stay in here for more than four weeks, we've seen it happen before. And I will say this to anyone and anyone who says they're not on there, apart from Dr. Alex, I genuinely think Dr. Alex, right, <laughs> was there to fall in love and live happily ever after. And it didn't happen to them. But apart from, I don't care what anyone says, everyone now going on that show knows that what the outcome is going to be if you stay on there for a few weeks, right? I had an eight-month-old gym, something that needed a little bit of a more push, right? What is the easiest way to do that and produce an online sculpt business as well? Go on and get at least 500,000 followers, like which obviously I ended up doubling. And then it's it gives you a platform. Everyone knows about Sculpt now because I don't shut up about it. And because I don't shut up about it on that social media, like there's people in London that know about Sculpt. Before that point, no one would have knew about Sculpt apart from my friends or my personal circle. It was so, so easy. And funnily enough, um, I was... I had a little bit of a tiff within the family just before I went on because they were basically saying like, you're doing well, like the gym's bouncing, like you're making this much money and like through PT, why do you need a show to do this? And I was like, because we don't understand the bigger picture. Like I've had messages now from people saying, why don't you open a sculpt island? And I've had opportunities like that. I've had meetings about it. I've had an opportunity to be like a girl messaging us the other day, just off the cuff being like, oh, please. Like a girl message the sculpt Instagram, not me saying, why didn't you open scope leads? Like, I know it's just a random comment, but before that point, nothing would have happened. And I preempted that. Like, I knew that was the case. I did not care about any single one of them girls in forming love. If it happened, it happened off the cuff, right? And funny enough, I was with Zara after the show. She was all right. We had a little bit of a good time. And it was actually genuine at that time. But did it happen by accident? Yes. I couldn't care less about any of that. The only thing I wanted was a social media platform to boost my business, to produce the online business and everything else. And anything else other than that was a bonus. And the bonuses were, I made some really good friends like Jack Fincham, Sam Bird, Josh, Wes, Charlie, Samira. Like I absolutely love them a bit. Like Laura Anderson, like they are class. They were the bonuses. They like I made some friends that I will always be friends with for life. Tech Samira last night, like all of them. And obviously came out with Zora for a little bit and then went absolutely horribly wrong. But apart from that, like it was, it was fine. Like that's what I went in for. I had a plan from day one. There was no reason. The only reason I went on the way I went on to start with in there is because one, I was put in positions that I had no choice of being in. Okay. Because you are in a bed, literally six inches away from the girl that you've argued with the night before, but also I knew how to keep myself on camera. Like the more of those little provocative sort of irate situations, them arguments, those things when I annoyed all them girls, kept us on camera for longer. 
And then what do you know, yeah. you come out at least, I did six weeks. And I think like I came out with as much of a following as the people who did the full eight weeks at one point. Yeah. And like, that's all that matters. Yeah, because you knew that you knew what to do to get that following. That's yeah. literally the thing is with like TV shows like that, any sort of thing like that. You need to literally get your face up there. And I look at people who are like doing stuff on there, and people are like, like my girlfriend. I'd watch it with, watch something. She say, "Oh my god, I can't believe done that." I was like, "I know exactly why they're doing that, just to get on camera." Like they're probably not like that in person. Like they might like go and kiss someone else or like say something off camera, like when no one's looking, kind of thing. But it's like they're gonna get airtime, and then people are gonna be following them and stuff. It's just. That's the it's, it's it's kind of sad that that's the way the world works. But yeah, it was like a bodybuilding like... show, like in a really, really, really novice way. I just went on there thinking, mm-hmm. like, if I if I am the the guy that is in shape on that yet, because obviously you don't know who's going there, it could have been someone. Yeah. But I thought if I get myself in the best condition I'm in, and like look like that guy, everyone will come to me for fitness advice after, and like that's what I yeah. did, and like made sure that at least a couple of times, as much as what I could. I could I was caught in the gym, like on camera. Like, obviously, yeah. we only had like four dumbbells in the pull-up bar, but at least, like, I think on one time I like PT Deli Brown when I was in there, and, like, it got caught on camera. <laughs> so, like, there you go. Yeah, it's just it advertising yourself all the time. I think you were one of the first people I've seen on Love Island doing like CrossFit style stuff as well. I think you were doing like you must have been doing like an email, like you're doing thrusters or something. Like, somebody mentioned that you were doing. I can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing it. But like, that's like something different because most of the time everyone's just doing curls and bench press and push-ups and maybe some pull-ups and stuff it's like something a little bit different that kind of people say oh what's this he's kind of doing so kind of sees the sees the opportunity pretty well and also the fact that obviously you're going on there and you're gonna get loads of followers you're almost skipping out what would probably take well you probably maybe wouldn't have got to that point never say never but it would have took years and years and years and years to build up that much of a following like i think when you, to, to get that much of a following naturally I don't think you can do it naturally unless you've you're pretty much famous or you're like you have to you know, do Christian Ronaldo's PT yeah. or something like that. It's yeah. like you've got to be something big. The funniest thing what you mentioned there is obviously all the people in there you learn who can like train properly and who just trains for the mirror. And so Frankie Foster is yeah. the most undercover beast. Of, like he he can really uh-huh. move well and like not not he didn't get that much airtime and I think. There's a lot of people where their like physique can outweigh their fitness and their strength, but Frankie's the other way around. His strength and fitness can outweigh his physique sometimes, yeah. and the boy can really, really move, and he is strong. And funnily enough, you say about that, we ended up doing, I think it was 17.1, which is like an open workout, and this, but yeah. we actually did it one day when we were bored. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think he had a little bit of an argument with Samira, and it was just me all the time wasn't it so we actually yeah. did 17.1 in the blazing heat next to the swim pool and it was like ridiculous so it was quite funny actually can you remember what, what was the workout i think it's the it was the i hope i've got this right the 50 dumbbell snatches the 15 burpees over the dumbbell 40 15 30 15 20 15 15 15 it's one of the it's either 16.1 or 17.1 it's dumbbell snatches yeah. and burpees over the box but we didn't have a box absolutely blitzing yourself yeah absolutely so when did your training kind of change because i know I, I put it in a post the other day about chris wilkos at the fitness menopause yeah when did you get to did you i'm guessing as most people like you said you started with your chest days and arm days and shoulder days and all that sort of stuff when did you kind of transition into more functional functional crossfit kind of style of training um i wouldn't even i wouldn't even know when actually i do know when the penny dropped 
I've got a story as well. So I I did a what did I do? I had this little time period in 2016 where I think I was 21 and I was probably in, to be honest, I put a photo on the other day, the best condition I was ever in um, for physique. I think um, I got a little men's health, little really, 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 really little gig in like just to be like a background thing in the magazine, something like that. And then I had like a couple of photo shoots booked in back after that with um, some photographers I really wanted to work in. Anyway, got in probably the best year of my life. Then at that point, Aurora, the gym that was that I was working at, obviously was going down the path. Like it was like, it was done. Like the business was done. So I ended up looking at Reebok CrossFit for a gym to PT at. And like one of my friends, Jordan Wallace, he was the owner of that gym. Now he was like, come and try one of the CrossFit classes or something like that before you end up PTing at our gym. Um, so I went down and, and it wasn't even in the gym that they have now, which is like a massive super gym. It was in the old school one where it was the, I think they started with a smaller box and there was a workout and I'll never, remember, never forget it. Cause I was like, I looked really good at the time. Like I remember taking my shirt off mid ward and like people expected me to be able to do this. Like they fully did yeah. expect me. Um, I was peeled and the workout was like, 80 kilogram power cleans, toes to bar and a run. And it was like four rounds, done other reps, but it was four rounds for something. And I remember like doing the power cleans and it was pretty much a deadlift and a reverse curl, but I managed to do it because it was maybe like six to eight reps, something like that, nothing mad. And then getting on the toes to bar and this woman must've been in her forties and she smashed the very living daylights out of me on toes to bar. And then on the run, I was paggered because all I'd done for all of that time for like 12, 16 weeks of like prep, so to speak, was like incline walks for 40 minutes in the morning. And I remember that like two rounds in, I was like, this has got to be different, this, this has got to be different. And there was a kid in the gym uh, who was one of their like athletes and he uh, he looked the same as me. Like at that time, like I was really, like I was conditioned a bit, like I was peeled, like looked great. And he pretty much looked nigh on like the same as me. And he was doing like stupid workouts. Like he was like running, he was doing like 10 by 500 on the rower. He was like doing all sorts. And I was like, that's the way it should be. And I remember like in that moment, I was like, I'm going to change the way I train because he could do all that. And he looked the same as me. And I was like doing incline walks and feeling like I was going to faint. And after I saw that, that was the day where I was like, I need to change the way I train, at least in some aspect, because I felt like I was going to pass out on a treadmill. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people are scared that they go, like, look down on CrossFit or look down on functional training or, like, doing, like, any sort of conditioning that isn't working on a treadmill because they think they're going to lose muscle and, like, they can't look like the bodybuilders. Like, look at the CrossFit athletes. Like, look at yourself. Look at, like, Matt Fraser's and stuff. They're all animals. They're units. Yeah. Like, it's, it just goes to show, like, I think a lot more... People are going down that route now because they're seeing like Oli Marchand's another example. Like they look at the physiques that are coming out of it. Like you can still achieve ridiculous results, but it's also a lot more beneficial towards your health and like being functional. It's in you like being able to move properly. Like obviously, bodybuilding in itself, you can still stay functional with it in like and stay healthy. But I think using this kind of a bit more conditioning aspect into training probably is a lot more appealing and I also feel a lot better by doing that total workout like you get a much bigger endorphin release at the end of a, a tough like CrossFit workout or conditioning session even if you get some bodybuilding in it 
like then you do then, then just doing like four by ten four by ten bench press and pull ups, some yeah. shoulder press and then some. I curls. think everything has its place, but for me and you especially coming from like the sporting background, like whatever level to whatever extent, it makes you feel good when you're competing. And if you can have yeah. a cut, you put a clock on a wall, it makes people feel good because they feel like they're working for something. They feel like they're working against something. If you want that competitive edge in training, like I understand why powerlifters want a powerlift because it is competitive. Mm-hmm. You are trying your best to get that one rep max or something like that. Like I totally can relate with that. I'd never want to be a powerlifter because I don't think it's my style, but like I totally understand that. And this is where like CrossFit, CrossFit builds a massively good community because they can compete in a very very local mediocre level like every week whereas like bodybuilders can compete for one day in a full year or maybe like two or three if people are doing back-to-backs but you can't really like do any of that and I think that's why I wanted to do something like that because I wanted to chase numbers I wanted to chase like workouts you have a little bit of crack like you know the boys the PT at my place now like it's already started now like we're giving it giving each other little trash talks here and there on certain exercises and having a little bit of a laugh and like you've came in our place like it is good crack like it's better yeah. and it gives you something to work at um mm-hmm. yeah people need a bit of that and i also think that like people are so like i get so many messages and honestly every time i put a q a on my instagram it's like are you a bodybuilder or a crossfitter because you can sort of like see both and i'm like uh-huh. bodybuilders need more CrossFit in their life and CrossFitters need more bodybuilding in their life and they both need more powerlifting in their life and that yeah. is the full extent of it like all three of those things does not have to be a separate thing like you do four sets of 10 on a chest press or you do four rounds for time of 10 chest press 10 calories on the bike are you a bodybuilder or are you CrossFitter like how do you answer that yeah. question like uh-huh. it's it's stupid like it really really is stupid like you should train absolutely everything in every domain. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that is the ultimate way to stay in condition year round and like feel good, healthy. Like I used to, and there's, there's another friend of mine, I using a lot of people as reference, but like he's a full-time bodybuilder, like a couple of years older than me, but like go to the merit center, which is like a shopping center for anyone who's listening here, but go to a shopping center and he's out of breath walking around like the shops, like, you've got to look at yourself once you get to that point. And unless you are going yeah. for like the very, very top end of like elite bodybuilder level or yeah, like you can't be doing that really. Mm-hmm. No, you can't live. It's not a healthy way to live. Yeah. Like two good things as well. I was going to point out about CrossFit, which are, well, even the, you don't have to define it as something. I think it's bad when you have to define yourself. Like I'm a CrossFitter, I'm a bodybuilder. Just like, just train and exercise do whatever you feel good. You don't have to define. If you mix things up, one day you do a chest day, the next day you're doing a CrossFit workout. It, it doesn't really matter. Just whatever you enjoy. But like you said about the community aspect, you can also progress and regress the exercises to like suit you. Like you don't have to say someone's snatching 150 kilograms or something that over there. Like like we talked about, like your 60 year olds or something. You can regress it and just do like a simple 10 kilogram dumbbell snatch or something. It doesn't have to be the same workout. Yeah. And also the one, the best thing about it you can eat a lot more food because I, I, to be fair, I don't track that. I track a little bit strict sometimes at my fitness plan stuff. But because you're obviously doing bodybuilding stuff and you're doing conditioning, you're going to be burning a lot more calories than if you're going in and just doing a purely bodybuilding workout. And then, then you have to walk on a cross trainer or walk on a treadmill on an incline for 45 minutes to burn the same amount of calories. Like you can get that two and a half hour workout, burn the same amount of calories in like half an hour, 45 minutes. 
which is another yeah. reason I enjoy my food too much. I think, and I think you're the same, to be fair. Yeah, and this is why. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love my food, and I mean, I'm easily putting away four k a day, and not even seeing yeah. like not seeing any sort of change in my weight. Um, what I was going to say is like with clients, especially this is another thing. If you've got a client who is only really willing to train, like I've got one, like a normal woman has kids, all of this, like she's going to train twice a week with me. She says, Adam, never going to change the fact that I drink a bottle of wine twice a week. You never, like, I'm only going to train with you twice a week and I'll probably run once. Like, why are you going to do like a chest or a push session on one and then a pull session on two? Cause you know, she's never going to fit in any legs. Like it's, you've got to get some sort of full body structure and you've got to get some, you've got to look at the client from like what they're going to do. She's really, really honest with me. And she says that. So I'm going to program her and train her to suit her lifestyle because mm -hmm. my job is to try and get her in the best shape possible for her optimal given time. Um, yeah. And I think this is the thing, like you, like you will look insane if you do bodybuilding training, if you have the time to give to it, if you can, if you can give the monk life of like waking up in the morning, doing fast cardio, doing bodybuilding on a night, and doing it six days a week with one rest day. But like, if you can't give up that much time, why train like one? Because you're never going to look yeah. like them with that. Um, it's funny, I went, I have a membership at like Men at Work, which is like a pretty hardcore bodybuilding gym as well, because just, I like it. It's, I can switch off from work sometimes in my gym. And I probably only train there. Like, I don't even have a membership anymore, but I used to train there once a week just as a bit of a mental outlet for me, because I didn't have to speak to anyone when I was training, like I do in school, because quite a lot of the time I can't get slowed down. Anyway, the guy there was like, it's funny because all the young lads like see the big bodybuilders in the gym and coming in twice a day and they only come in once a day and they choose to do the incline walk session instead of the upper body or the lower body session. Like, or like do the push puller legs. Like they come in and match them and be like, oh, I'll do the cardio. Like you can do that anywhere. Like if you're going to do one of the sessions, if you've only got an hour to give, do the strength and hypertrophy session rather than doing the like incline walk you can do it anyway yeah i know it's it stresses me out when i see people i think ollie martin said something he listened to the podcast with the modern wisdom one that ollie martin yeah. was like he's like bless bless them bodybuilders who do 45 minutes on the incline on incline treadmill like just add something in more functional and it's gonna be better and like you said about like say you've got a client who can only train with you twice a week and they want to still fit in a bottle of wine at the weekend or two bottles of wine and stuff like that. Like, you can make it work around their lifestyle. Don't say it to them. No, you have to eat chicken and rice every single day, train five days a week and do treadmill walks every single day. Like, make it flexible. Like, you don't... If people... If you can make it fit around their lifestyle, they're going to continue it for longer rather than, like, do the sort of... the diet thing where they do it for five weeks and then they suck it off and put all the weight back on at the end of it. Whatever's going to be maintainable for longer. Like it's gonna work best for them. Um, but I think the industry's but, going there as well because I personally think yeah. that some clients and some people I speak to, like they don't actually believe that I do what I do in the sense of like yeah. they think like nah he's got to be like I bet he's boring I bet he like stays in the house I bet he just eats chicken and like because I used to be like that because like I used mm -hmm. to be in that mindset and like honestly people will still struggle to believe that like you have changed your ways as well like yeah. nah you don't do that yeah. you definitely do that. Uh -huh. and that's like if people don't don't believe I, I, to be fair I should probably start posting a little bit more like I do eat a lot of things like so my mum came in the other day and she had a friend's round and there was loads of muffins left over from <laughs> like a few and I had about two of them it's like I should like to be being more open about that sort of stuff and like people do look at like people on Instagram and think 
I, oh yeah, he must be eating the chicken and rice. He doesn't have a Domino's at the weekend. He doesn't have burgers or go to Five Guys or eats biscuits with his cup of tea. Like he doesn't like, but we do like. It's just we fit it in. We don't obviously hammer it all every single day. It's just we fit them in, and we also train hard at the same time. Yeah. To kind of earn it. Um, we we are right for time for one more quick little question. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, we're good. Spot on. So I wanted to just talk about. Obviously, there's a lot of, obviously, you've got a million followers on Instagram, you're on Love Island, you've got a gym. Do you feel a lot of pressure, first of all, maintaining it and also keeping up kind of that that persona and like you're a big influence on a lot of people's lives, like on Instagram, obviously, people do look up to you kind of thing. Do you feel a lot of pressure, obviously, having to deal with all those different avenues? Um, I think that, I think that, I got lost when I first came out of Love Island a little bit in trying to please everybody. And you said something about what Josh Bridgman said the other day, for example. I thought that like I had to look like I was uh, like rock star, party boy slash fitness influencer slash like being good with kids, I so to speak. Like I felt like I had to hit all these niches rather than just being me. And like, I would mm-hmm. say the one thing that I've learned during lockdown and recently anyway, like in the last six months, I feel like I've grown up a lot is just being me and just posting what I post. Like even if it doesn't get as many likes on Instagram and stuff like that, like the photos sometimes that do well on my Instagram do well or stuff that I don't care about. Like it would be like, for example, when I was with Zara off the show or with one of them, like a photo of that, but like, I want to post workouts and I want to try and help people with stuff like that. Like that's what I want to post. So like if it doesn't mm-hmm. get the most engagement or like I do lose a few followers or something like that, like I don't mind because I think like the people that are engaged, like will stay there and will be more engaged and it will actually help them and support them with what they want to do. So even if it is like, even if it is more in that direction and it is a little bit more niche and like perhaps the people that were like obsessed with me on Love Island and all of that sort of lifestyle. Like I'm not really bothered about that anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I was speaking to someone yesterday and it would be so easy. Like I get offered free holidays all the time and I get offered like free restaurants and eating out all the time. But like, it's not really my lifestyle. It's not what I, it's not what truly, truly makes me happy. Like I know what I want to do. And that's why I think that this last year, the shift in my focus has been back to what I, what I'm good at and what I used to, used to do a lot more of and this is why I'm being a lot more hands-on with the gym and helping people and you can see the change in my Instagram like if you scroll down like on the grid like I am doing a lot more workouts like I used to and you can see it in the early days before that and I think I got wrapped up in trying to please everyone trying to feel the pressure of like I definitely felt the pressure that I had to be someone off the back of that TV show in the sense of staying with the girl that I was with because there was fan pages about it there was stuff like that and I wasn't happy at all. Like, and once you realize that and start being yourself, it's so much easier. Yeah. And I say to people as well, there's only one person who's living your life and it's you. Like who cares what everyone else thinks? And if you're not doing what you truly love and you're like not putting the content out that you want and you're constantly trying to please people, your life's going to be shit. Like yeah. inside, like what happens inside you is what your life is, not what other people think of you. Like people might look at you on Instagram when you're posting certain things that you with your ex-girlfriend or whatever, oh, them two look so happy. I wish I had their life and stuff. But you're, you're you inside are not happy. Like, yeah. But now you posting like you've seen you a lot more like gym workouts, CrossFit workouts and stuff. You're posting yourself and you're being yourself. You're in and around the gym doing what you love. 
other people might think, oh, like, I'm not really bothered about that, I'm unfollowing him, but you're happy, so who gives a fuck what they think? Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I've learned that. I've learned that recently, and I think that there, you say about, like, watching your circle and, like, surround yourself with the right people, but, like, if you look at, like, who you're following and who you're actually bothered about, it shows, and, like, the people that I'm impressed by have way, way less followers than me, like, mm-hmm. off the and have way less, like, they have the, way way less of that following, but their engagement is a lot more because it's the people that, are, like, it's the people, it's what I'm into, it's what I'm interested in, and I'm probably one of them people that like the the small minority that like my posts for doing the workouts mm-hmm. and doing the things and doing the normal stuff. Like, I am just a normal kid that tends to, like, be into fitness and try and work hard at it, and I'm still learning along yeah. the way. And that yeah. that is as simple as it is. Like I know the people I want to be around. I know where I want to get to and what I want to do. And pretending that like I live this like lavish lifestyle because I get like a free few a few free holidays and stuff like that isn't me. Yeah, no, just be but I will still I will ass. still do the odd one. I will still do the odd yeah, one. You got, you've yeah, you've got to do the I odd one. Mate. I'm gonna take a free ASAP. send them over to me my way. I'll take yeah. a few free holidays. Like, no, like no, no. I'll so, be going. I'll be oof. going. Be for as soon as possible. But apart from that, you know the general gist of it. You've got to live a little. Yeah, you've got to enjoy it, mate. I missed out on a for this year, but never mind. So we'll finish off quick fire because I know we're short for time. So quick fire to finish. Three people you'd like to invite round for dinner or go out with a coffee with, past or present, anybody? Three people. Oh. No pressure. <laughs> um, God, that is a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. I'd probably say that. Try and... is it Eric Thomas, the guy who is the motivational speaker um dennis rodman off the last dance yeah he's a character who else someone just like who you could never even relate who like someone like like elvis like i know it sounds daft but like someone who like has lived the complete ultimate lifestyle and you would never know like all of the stories that he would come out with or someone on that level someone like actually totally like rock and roll you want someone for story, like for some good stories. Like yeah. That's a pretty decent yeah, one. Yeah. I like that one. Um, next one is three people you want to train with. Oh, I saw this one. I think, in a sense, again, after seeing that, I've, I've, you can tell that I've watched it recently. Michael Jordan, after seeing the last dance and seeing his work ethic, I don't know what we would do together. Then, oh, Matt Fraser. Yeah, I'm going to have to I go think, with Matt yeah. Fraser. And then um, I would actually pick someone like training slash talk to, probably someone like a bio lane or Elaine Norton, you know? And not yeah, bio lane, I'm using his Instagram name, Elaine Norton or Jeff Nippard, like the sciencey guys that like do the bread and butter stuff, like Eric Helms, like who isn't heard of by a lot of people, but if you know, you know. And um, those guys yeah. are absolute monsters when it comes to science behind training and nutrition. Yeah, no, just to pick the brains and just learn. Yeah. If they are yeah, like yeah. people if people don't know who like if you want to learn anything from people like that's the sort of group of people, like the three DMJ lot. Um, yeah. Revive Stronger, I think there's another company that are pretty good. And then if I have based. one more, C T Fletcher Go just on, wants to just absolutely destroy his folk because yeah, old school. 80, 80, 19 year old me wouldn't let wouldn't forgive us if I didn't say that because we used to just do some stupid stuff just for random crack on Friday yeah. nights with him. Yeah. Him and Mike Rashid were my first YouTube. Like, they're oh, still it's overtraining. Yeah, I think, I yeah. think they're doing different things. 
different things now, but I still they're they were the two original ones. Yeah. Um, and then the last question is one thing that you say to yourself five years ago. One thing I'd say to myself. Yeah. For me and for everybody else, like just believe in yourself and trust the process because I used to get so stressed out not trusting in my own ability and just enjoying the process of like it's not good when you get there and when you get to your goal, it's good on the way up, you know? Like the best mm-hmm. part about skulls and everything like that was getting it. Like was mm-hmm. getting the build up in the last few weeks up until that and like sort of like the ride now. But like when it's like yeah, and it's the same with physique and stuff like that and like training like once you like feel like you're in your best shape, you're not even satisfied anyway. It's the it's the, like going to it like the last few weeks where you're buzzing. Yeah, there's a few plugs of the podcast that I think process was said three times. I'm happy I'm happy with that. Yeah. Nice, way to, nice way to finish, mate. Um, I'll put your Insta- Instagram and everything in the bio so everybody can, can click on that. But it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I will see you very soon in the gym. So thank you very much if you listen to this full episode. And thank you very much, Adam, again, for coming on. Like I said, his Instagram and everything will be in the show notes. But you'll probably follow him anyway on Instagram, so it doesn't really matter. But if you did enjoy this episode, like I said at the start, share it on your Instagram stories. Probably the best way to share it. Tag myself and add a minute. And also drop us a message and let me know what you thought about the podcast, what good topics you enjoyed listening to, and anything else that you want to message me about, just drop me a message. So thank you very much. Remember, as always, to get subscribed for weekly episodes of this podcast. Also, if you really enjoyed it, give us a five-star review. Say something nice about the podcast. If not, then please just don't give us a bad review. But five stars would mean a lot to us. So thank you very much. And as I always say, if you could share this podcast with one friend, just share the link, send it as a message, as a WhatsApp, whatever. Just try and spread the word about the podcast. It would mean the world to me as well. So thank you very much for listening to this episode. This has been Process.